You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, as we continue walking through this book, just greatly encouraged Um, of all of the things that we're seeing, all of the ways we're seeing that God continues to work despite what the world can do to continue to resist uh, the gospel. And we know ultimately, through reading even thus far, we know that ultimately the gospel is going to go forth and no one can stop that. Amen? Amen? Do you all believe that this morning? Am Am I alone this morning? The gospel cannot be stopped cannot be stopped. For 2,000 years, it has not been stopped. And yet, the resistance to the church is going to continue to grow. Amen? We're seeing that every day. We're seeing uh, different places in which the gospel is trying to be silenced um, in various ways. I shared with you last week, um, our uh, brothers and sisters at Grace Community Church, I think I actually may have even said Grace Church, not here locally, uh, but Grace Community Church in California. Uh, Sacramento area, uh, John MacArthur, the pastor there. I don't know if you had the opportunity after last week's service. They're on a different time zone altogether, so you can actually worship here, and then you can catch John MacArthur uh, in the middle of the afternoon. Um, Grace Church, Grace Community Church did have worship last week. They were not shut down. Um, and an amazing message, if you have not heard it so far, it's all available to you on Facebook. And I would encourage you to go and listen to that service um, because it's a stand that was taken there and that may, in fact, have to be taken eventually here in our church and churches around us. You just simply never know. But the reality is the mission, whether Facebook or anybody else tries to silence the mission or any government or governor, praise the Lord that the gospel goes on. The mission goes on. And for 2000 years, the same message has been preached and people have been being saved. And I just want to encourage us from God's word this morning and each and every week when we see this not to quit. This is not the time for us to give up the fight, but rather for us to fight for truth even stronger than we ever have. And what I want you to do is to keep hearing from this passage the reality that every time resistance grew in the book of Acts to the gospel and to the church, that so did the stand and so did the gospel in its multiplying across the world. The more the resistance came, the more the gospel multiplied. And we've seen it over and over again. So I want you to hear it. Just listen to all of these different times. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Just after the threat of division within the church over unmet needs. What happened? Verse 7. 
And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts chapter eight, same picture, stoning of Stephen. Stephen is martyred for the faith and you would think that it would have silenced the message. And yet verse one tells us, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And verse four tells us now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It didn't stop the preaching of the word. Acts chapter nine and verse thirty one. Just after Saul is ravaging the church, God calls him to repentance. And chapter 9, verse 31 says that the church throughout all Judea and Samaria uh, and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. God actually saved the very one who was leading the persecution against the church and the church multiplied. Chapter 11, verse 21, after the criticism of the church by the Jews there in Jerusalem, criticized for all of these that were coming to faith. And verse 21, it tells us that the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord and a great many, verse 24, a great many people were added to the church. And then last week. After the execution of James, the arrest of Peter, no doubt probably planning the very same thing against Peter. Herod the king arrests Peter. The angel comes and lets him go. And even after all that Herod did, verse 24 tells us that the word of God increased and, and multiplied. And what I want you to keep hearing over and over again and to be encouraged with is the reality that no matter how much the resistance grows against the church and its message, it is not caused to throw in the towel and ultimately the word of God will continue to prevail and the gospel will continue to be multiplied. That is good, a good word for us in the season of Government threats. It's a good word for us in the season of threats of pandemic. It's a good word for us in the threats of riots and other things and church shutdowns. This is a word that we need to continue to hear as we continue to remain encouraged in the faith. And so we see it again in Acts chapter 13. We see at the end of the chapter, verse 49. But what we're going to do is look at two different resistances that lead up to that statement in Acts chapter 13 and verse 49, it says, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But what two events lead up to hearing that statement? One of them we'll look at this morning and the second one we'll look at next week. And so the title of my message to you this morning is overcoming the world's spell, overcoming the world's spell. If you found your place, let me invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. As we read together from Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. 
So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were down. They went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Listen to verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. I pray, God, that you would give us clarity. Um, God, that you would take this amazing story and that you would bring contemporary relevance in our day for us to see what you are doing in the same way in our day and time, how you are silencing the false gospels around us and how you are bringing even those who have proclaimed these false gospels, maybe even to faith in Christ. God, you are doing an amazing work, and so I pray that you would help us to see. And Lord, there may be someone here in this room this morning who doesn't know Christ. There may be someone listening in online who's never trusted in Jesus who's never believed the gospel. And so I pray for faith today. I pray that they would see your mighty work, that they would hear the teaching of the Lord, and that they would believe the gospel. We, we need your spirit to come now and be our teacher, to help us to see where we are blind, even like Bar-Jesus. Open our eyes to see your word and to believe it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you. You can be seated. This is the beginning of what was the first missionary journey, the first of three missionary journeys that the Apostle Paul took. We have record of those throughout the book of Acts. This one, just to be, just really chapter 13, we see the journey of Paul there to Cyprus. What began as a journey just with Paul, he was accompanied with Barnabas um, and John. We find that out a little bit later in the passage. This wasn't John the Apostle, this was John Mark. And so it says that there were those at the church at Antioch who were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. 
And what was happening is they were gathered together, much like today, worshiping the Lord, praying together, studying His Word. And even as they were in God's Word and praying together and no doubt singing together, maybe even eating together. We've already seen in Acts that these were good Baptists. They were always eating together, right? And so they're gathered together, right? And as they're gathered, the Holy Spirit says through His Word and through prayer, I want you to set apart these two men to go over to Cyprus and to proclaim the word of the Lord there. So they hear from the Holy Spirit and it says that they fasted and prayed and then they laid hands on them and sent them off. An amazing picture of this sending motion. And what happened in the New Testament is that the church, as people were gathered and worshiping, as people were gathered together and praying, God then would send people, missionaries, out of the church to go and take the gospel to the world. These, these churches were sending organizations for worldwide missions. And this is what happened for Paul and Barnabas. It was not just something that they took upon themselves to do here in Acts chapter 13, but the Holy Spirit said go, and specifically to Cyprus. And He sends them out. They send them out. Wouldn't it be an, an amazing thing? We began last week praying that God would give us the lost, Right? It's a dangerous prayer to pray because it means that that sometimes we're going to make the gospel known here in our community. But there are times when God is going to call people from among us to send out to the world so that the, the world might might hear the gospel of Christ and be saved. And would it be an amazing thing if God began to call people out of Southwide Baptist Church and sending them out into the world to proclaim the gospel? As we pray, God give us the lost. Maybe, maybe just to make you a little bit nervous for a moment. Maybe God would see fit even to send our very own children out into the world to share the gospel of Christ. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Such that Southwide is known for sending people to go and to make disciples of all nations. So they went... To Antioch, it's the first stop because there they would catch a boat. The port city of Seleucia, they would set sail to the island of Cyprus. By the way, Cyprus is the home of Barnabas. We know from Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 that that was his homeland. So he, he knew a bunch of people, no doubt, there. It was a good place to get started in sharing their faith. And so they would go to the main port city and the chief town of Salamis. It was a place where people were in and out of constantly. And the only thing that Paul needed to do is to begin to preach the gospel where he was most familiar, and perhaps where he knew the most lost people, and that would be in the synagogues. As you read the book of Acts, and what you're going to find, even as we get into the passage next week, is this continual movement from the Jews to the Gentiles, so that all the world hears, hears the gospel. We'll save that part for next week. So they're teaching and preaching in the synagogues. Uh, John Mark was there. Barnabas was there to assist. And so we know that they go through the entire island and the text tells us they eventually come to Paphos, which is the capital city of the time. And there at Paphos, they encounter the very first resistance on that missionary journey. 
Verse 6 tells us that they came across this magician. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician. And notice how he's described a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. What in the world does this mean? Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua, Yeshua in the Old Testament. And so this bar, meaning son, he's the son of Joshua. We, we don't know exactly who his father was. Obviously, his name was Joshua. But the, the play on words there is interesting because Jesus and Joshua both served as a, a savior of Israel. Joshua being a forerunner, pointing to the great savior, Jesus, who alone could save his people from his sins. And this one is actually leading the proconsul away from the faith as the very son of Joshua. And what what Peter would say to this one is, you son of the devil, complete opposite. And so the word magician here carries a sense of uh, charlatan. It's not like you would think of today and an illusionist. These were people who made their living off of tricking people, swindling people. You might have called him a smooth talker. He had lots of knowledge and uh, he had the Jewish background so he could fool people that he that he knew what he was talking about. It's the kind of magic that was actually forbidden by Jewish law. And yet he engaged in it. This one named Bar-Jesus. You'll recall the story of Moses and before Pharaoh and when Moses would do what God had commanded him to do, like turning the the rod into a serpent, that the magicians would duplicate the trick. Wasn't uncommon for those who ruled to have to have magicians in their court or at least philosophers, advisors in their court. It was, however, mostly uncommon in Rome, but there are a couple of examples, this one being one of them. And so, Bar-Jesus was an advisor to the proconsul, namely Sergius Paulus, who is said to be a man of intelligence. And so here's what happens. Sergius summons Paul, Saul as he's called, and Barnabas and says, come and teach me the word. And when they come to teach him the word of God, by the way, he probably had heard of their teaching. He was the ruler of all of Cyprus, this province of Rome, probably had heard of their teaching. And here comes Paul and Barnabas around his area. And he says, I want you to come and teach me the word, not a believer yet, but he wants to hear the word of God. Bar Jesus sees this as a threat. Or Elymas, as he's called, his name, which means magician. We don't have the exact etymology of that word, but we know that the meaning is magician. And it says that Elymas betrayed or rather opposed them. He was seeking to turn the proconsul away from their teaching back to his own teaching. He's kind of like a paid advisor. And so if if he found out, if the proconsul found out that what Paul and Barnabas were teaching was true, he was going to lose his paycheck. Does that sound familiar? We have a a world today that follows the, the almighty dollar. And if the gospel takes hold, there are some people, many people who will ultimately lose their source of income and have to turn 
to God for help. And of course, this is outside of the realm of what they desire to do. And so Bar-Jesus is completely upset. And so he, he seeks, the text tells us, he sought to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Again, the proconsul was lost at this point, and he had some spiritual curiosity. He wanted to know what the Word says, but he wasn't willing yet to submit his life for it, and that could not be tolerated by the deceiver. So Paul confronts the magician. We'll look at that in more detail in a moment, but God blinds him, ultimately blinds the magician, and despite every effort to oppose the mission. By Elemas, he wants to turn the proconsul away from the faith. In fact, to deceive him, to blind him in a sense, to make crooked all the straight paths of the Lord. He wants to take everything that these apostles are saying and twist it for his own benefit. And actually what happens is the very opposite. The very opposite. Despite all of the resistance, says in verse 12 that the proconsul believed the proconsul believed I want you to hear this this morning because this is a word to us and it may come as a surprising word this morning the spells of the word the world have no ultimate power to overcome the truth of the gospel the spells of the world have no ultimate power to overcome the truth of the Gospel. And this is true of so-called magic, but it's also true of every single sin that allures the human heart. There is no ultimate, listen to this, there is no ultimate power in sin to overcome the truth of the gospel because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And Jesus has already overcome the world, all of its sin, all of its systems, everything that would rise up against God. Jesus has already overcome all of those things. So there is no power of sin and no spell of the world that could ever ultimately overcome the truth of the gospel. And all of those who are under sin's influence, the text tells us that they are the enemy of all righteousness. They're full of deceit and villainy. They're making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. None of those things could ever overcome A move of God. And notice that it is not from outside of the so-called religious sphere that this threat comes. We have been dealing with that in our culture and in the text for quite some time now. All of the threat coming from the government or the outside world, the secular culture. But no, this threat comes from within religious circles. From Judaism. It's what would be called religious in a sense. He is said to be a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. It's entirely possible for threats to the gospel, listen to this carefully, to come not only from outside of our religious circle, but also 
with Him. And if we're not careful, while we are busy fighting all of the wiles of the government and all of the wiles of everything else that seems to be the greatest threat against the church today, if we are not careful, we will miss the threats directly underneath our nose. Why does this matter for us? I learned this week how much it really does matter in a rather surprising way. We began last week, and I hope that you joined me, in praying for evangelism. Praying that God would give us the lost. We prayed for some time that God would give us leadership, and God has begun to do that. We've seen family after family come who is equipped and ready to serve in the church for the sake of the gospel and in the community. I'm thankful for that. We need more leading within the church. We need more volunteers as we begin to launch things again. We're going to need all the help that we can get. And yet our prayer as we began last week is, God, would you, in the midst of sending us all of the people who can rightly serve the church and equip the saints for the work of the ministry, would you give us the lost? Would you give us people who will hear the gospel from our lips and be saved? Church, if we're going to do that, it demands a faithful gospel. A person who comes to faith By believing a false gospel, listen to me, has no faith at all. The gospel of the Bible alone saves. And so we must be clear about what the gospel is. And we must be clear about every false gospel and false prophet like Elymas. And so on Wednesday nights, our students have been meeting for a number of weeks since we've been trying to kick things back off. We began a study of Galatians. Galatians is all about a false gospel there at the church at Galatia that had taken hold. And Paul said to the church at Galatia, if anyone preaches a different gospel, let them be anathema, accursed. And so there is this warning to the church at Galatia, don't believe the false gospel The gospel needs to be held true. So a couple of weeks ago, actually really three weeks ago, we tried over and over to watch this movie. But there is a movie on Netflix called The American Gospel. If you've not seen it, I would encourage you to go watch this movie. It is a profound look into what is the true gospel over and opposed the major false gospels that we deal with, particularly in America Mostly having to do with Catholicism and the prosperity gospel. And in this video, it exposes those who would be false teachers like Elemis. And the exposure of the prosperity gospel and one who is a prosperity preacher leads to a man by the name of Todd White. Anybody heard that name before? Todd White. Maybe some of us. Okay. Todd White came out of Gateway Church. He is a uh, preacher, a prosperity preacher, and what has been titled a faith healer there at Gateway Church. Um, He is, in essence, a charlatan. Uh, He is one who 
has has historically tricked people into believing that they've been healed and calling it the gospel, oftentimes without ever preaching sin, repentance, Jesus' death on the cross, or any of those things, but rather preaching Jesus as the gateway to a new life and a more fulfilled life and a better life and more money and more health and all of these things. He has claimed to be a sinless person, having no sin in his life, completely made pure in his relationship with God. He's been quoted as saying that the Bible does not teach the sovereignty of God, that God is not in control of all things. He is one whose mentor is Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, and others who have faithfully proclaimed a prosperity gospel, a false gospel, And it is a false gospel that is rooted in man-centered theology and it's being preached all over the world and it all began right here in America. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel. Jesus is not a means to an end, church. Jesus is the great end in and of Himself. We don't come to Jesus to get anything else. We come to Jesus to know God, to be restored to God. And the prosperity gospel is a dangerous gospel that you should declare anathema, accursed. And you should not listen to the false teaching. John Piper has famously been quoted to say this. I don't know what you feel about the prosperity gospel. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. But I'll tell you what I feel about it. Hatred. It is not the gospel. And it's being exported from this country to Africa and Asia, selling a bill of goods to the poorest of poor. Believe this message and your pigs won't die. And your wife won't have miscarriages. And you'll have rings on your fingers and coats on your back. And that's coming out of America. The people that ought to be, that we ought to be giving our money and our time and our lives. Instead, selling them a bunch of crap called gospel. And here is the reason it is so horrible. When is the last time any American, African, Asian ever said Jesus is all satisfying because you drove a BMW? Never. They'll say, Jesus gave you that. Well, I'll take Jesus. And John Piper says that's idolatry. That is not the gospel. Why do I go on and on about this this morning? Because my response and probably your response is similar to the prosperity gospel as it would have been to any false teaching in the New Testament day. My response is that we should silence the messenger. I don't want Sergius Paulus hearing the message at all. Like my goal would be, American government, you can shut down that church. It doesn't need to be heard. In fact, even this week I joked that 
that there was one false teacher's church that was shut down and another teacher, um, John MacArthur, who's faithful, who said, I want to continue to proclaim the true gospel. And on the one hand, this one who's following government law and the other one who is making a stand. And in reality, it works actually backwards of what they're expecting to happen. The gospel was preached and the false gospel was silenced. That would be my goal. Stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. Stop speaking. But somewhere along the line, I realized this week that if I'm not careful, that I will grow fearful and I will miss the active miracle that God did in this very passage to cause someone to believe despite the message that was being preached. And if I'm not careful, I'll miss perhaps what God might intend to do. Any of you that have followed Todd White in the last week would have heard him give a message that says that he's begun following men like Charles Spurgeon and Ray Comfort. He says it's taken him 16 years to realize the importance of preaching the law of God in order to show us our sin and our need of a Savior. He says, here's the deal. One day you and I are going to all face the Lord. I I mean, I can't even believe he says this. He says, one day we're all going to face the Lord. It's the truth. Are you guys with me? Is this too much? I've been going through it, buddy. I've been at a new place to bring the reality of the law into witness, to show a person their need for grace. Listen to what he says. How can you want to be, how can you want to be found if you don't know you're lost? How can you want to see if you don't know you're blind? How can you want to live if you don't know you're dead? This is not a prosperity preacher anymore. I saw this when I got saved and for some reason it's taken me 16 years to explain it. And I feel I have, I feel like I've seen Something completely brand new. What I won't ever do is take the miraculous out of the gospel. But listen to what he calls the miracle. It's a miracle that I can come to Jesus through all my junk. And he uses the word all my sin and him say not guilty. That's a miracle. He says this is hard for me. Because I feel like I have preached. I haven't preached the whole gospel. And I repent. I repent. He says, you have no idea. I will not be responsible. I believe that when I preach, the blood of people is on my hands. Do you know how many times I've prayed for God to remove false teachers from the pulpit in America? But even before you this morning, I cannot recall a time that I have prayed for a false gospel preacher to come to faith in Christ. And that may be happening. May be happening. What if God might answer the what if God might answer the prayers of his people for An evangelistic harvest by actually saving the ones who are preaching the false gospel and bringing them to the place that they start preaching a biblical gospel. 
and all of the influence that they've gained through worldly means, God meant for good to lead many people to faith in Christ. And the gospel just starts multiplying from all of these false false prophets. What if that's what happens? Amazing, amazing possibility in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all of these things, that those are not the threats, but the real threat is among us. Maybe we should start praying for Todd White. Maybe we should start praying for Joel Osteen and Benny Hinn and Joyce Meyer. And what, if, what if God intends to save them for the sake of His gospel? He silenced a magician and silenced the message in the heart of the proconsul so that he believed. I want to give you five practical, very quickly, five practical exhortations this morning about how God might be using this passage for us. Number one, we must preach a faithful gospel. Go back one on the slides. We must preach a faithful gospel. Notice that it wasn't just simply a reaction to the magician. That's something that just kind of happened. But what was happening before they ever encountered the mission in verses, or the magician in verses 5 and 6, it says they arrived at Salamis and they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos. They began to preach the gospel faithfully right away. They didn't wait for the false prophet. They didn't know he existed yet. They were preaching the, 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 the true biblical gospel right away. And I want to tell you that it is incumbent upon us as the church right now in the midst of everything that we see to continue to faithfully preach the biblical gospel. We must be faithful to, to proclaim the message that Jesus Christ died for sinners, that He was raised to life because it was not possible that the grave should contain Him, that Jesus is the only hope of salvation and all people must repent of their sins and believe the Gospel in order to be saved. If we fail in preaching that Gospel, we are no different than the prosperity preachers, even if we are simply silent. We must preach the gospel. It amazes me how many church members get up in arms when they hear someone say something wrong on TV or wherever else, but they are unwilling to proclaim the gospel themselves. Church, we must be faithful to proclaim the gospel in our workplaces, in our homes, in our in our social places, out on the beach, everywhere that we go. We must be faithful to proclaim the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. We must preach a faithful gospel. Secondly, we must confront false teachers. We must confront false teachers. It's very important that we don't just see that these men confronted the teaching, the false teaching. It's important that we see that these men confronted the false teachers. Todd White was confronted by those who preached a faithful gospel, and he should be. In fact, the, the makers of that movie have actually publicly asked Todd White to come on the very next showing of that movie and to be interviewed publicly according to a biblical gospel. And this must happen. Why? Because this is what happens in the text. Verse 8, it says that Saul was 
Saul, who was called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked intently at him. Uh, Verse 10 says, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. You will not. Will you not stop making the crooked, making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? He's confronting him in his false teaching. And God judges this man ultimately because he did not turn. He says that he will be blinded, unable to see for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. So he calls him son of the devil. He identifies him as deceitful, as the enemy of God, as one who ultimately distorts the truth. One who stands in opposition against the mission of God, ultimately willing to turn people away from the faith, aiming for that even. And in fact, the irony here is he was blinded physically, but he was already blind spiritually himself. So he confronts false teachers and we must do the same thing, which means I'm going to start praying they come to Christ. I'm going to start praying God changes their hearts. And until then, we call them out on their false teaching because it's a dangerous thing. It blew my mind how many of our teenagers sat and watched. It was actually convicting for me as a pastor how many of our teenagers sat and watched and had never heard some of the statements made by these men and women. Could be led astray just with a simple message heard on YouTube. So we must confront false teachers third and quickly. We must guard sound doctrine. It's not explicitly here in the text, but it is there implicitly. The church had been studying the word together over and over and over again. And it's important for the church to guard sound doctrine from within its walls so that our kids and and not just our kids. We often talk about this for our kids only. But how many adults don't know their Bibles? We, we ought to be a place wherever when, when false doctrine is taught or heard that it's so foreign to what we know and believe to be true from the Bible that it doesn't even stand a chance at surviving here, that it's squashed and squelched out immediately. This is what Paul was getting at when he told Timothy to follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith And love that are in Jesus Christ. Follow the pattern. Follow the teaching. He says in verse 14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit or the gospel entrusted to you. We must guard and contend for the faith. Fourth, we must call sinners to repentance. Verse 7 and verse 12 this one who is the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, verse 7 says he was a man of intelligence and he summoned Paul and Barnabas to hear the word of the Lord. He summoned them. I want to hear this. No doubt whenever he came, whenever Paul and Barnabas came to them, came to him, they were preaching repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. It's not only the gospel they had been preaching, but you'll see as we continue in chapter 13 next week, the gospel that they proclaimed even up until Iconium as they continue to preach the gospel. It's the same gospel. And so repentance and faith and the response is there in verse 12. This man believed. The ruler believed. Despite all of the false teaching, 
despite all of the bad advice from the one who was a false teacher, he came to faith in Christ. And notice that the way he came to faith was not because he put faith in Barnabas or Saul. It's not even because the false teaching was exposed. It's because he came to faith in the teaching of the Lord. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He was astonished at the truth. The truth of the gospel. Which means as we come to the final, the final thing here, final practical point is that we should be, we must remain faithful. We must remain full of faith. Full of faith. The proconsul believed. And we must believe that God is able. The proconsul still believed despite all of the false teaching and he believed because the gospel was faithfully preached to him. And I don't know about you, but as I think about some of the most famous teachers on TV who are preaching all these false gospels, it did not cross my mind that someone like Todd White would come to faith in Christ if that's what's happening in his life. But amazing thing. I mean, you think about this. What if, what if that moment, that moment, all of his influence began to turn toward the gospel of Christ? And in that moment, because Todd White had all of these people following him in the wrong direction, much like Saul, maybe, maybe God is going to use that one event to bring hundreds and thousands of people to faith in Christ. You just never know. I don't think in those terms. You know why I don't think in those terms? Because my faith is small. My faith is small. But if God could save the very man leading the resistance against them, and if God could save the proconsul despite a false message, He certainly can save today. We have to believe that the Gospel is enough. And that it's enough to save even the most, the one who's led the most astray. Even the most powerful worldly spell is no match for the power and the authority of the gospel of Christ. And some of us this morning, I just have to believe, are under the world's spell. I don't say that to alleviate any responsibility. I say that simply to emphasize the reality that sin is powerful. And its attraction is deep and rooted in our nature. And the Bible teaches that the gospel is powerful enough to save us from our sin. Because Jesus, the one who is Lord over all things, in total control of his life, went to the cross and died in the place of sinners so that we could be set free and healed of addictions, and healed of, of our sexual perversions, and healed of all of our anxieties and worries, and healed of all of these things. Why? Healed of our sin. Because He wanted to restore us to God so that God might receive glory and honor by our lives. That's the Gospel. Today, if you don't know Christ, we implore you to come to faith in Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this morning, we simply are going to extend to you a time of invitation, a time of response. We are asking that you would be obedient to the Word. God is calling you today.
to be obedient to His Word, His Holy Spirit is saying, believe upon My Son, believe upon Christ today and be saved. There is no other hope of salvation. If you would believe the Gospel, God would forgive you of your sins today, heal your life, and you can be saved and restored to God if you'd simply trust in Christ. And He's calling the church today to believe the Gospel again. Not only that it's powerful enough to save us, but that it's powerful enough to save anybody. And maybe, maybe God wants to do an amazing work through us if we'll be faithful to proclaim a biblical gospel and pray that the lost would come to repentance and faith. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, in just a few moments, we're going to stand. There's going to be a time of invitation where music is played and this altar is open. And I want to encourage you right there where you are, if you would come to this altar today, you'd say, Pastor, I want to be saved. If you'd step out of right where you're standing, if you'd come to this altar and tell me, today, Pastor, I want to be saved. Would you help me? And I'll help you today. But you've got to make the first step in following Jesus. And today, as you follow Jesus with your life, He'll save you. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe you're online. You can respond right there where you are. Simply bow the knee before King Jesus and submit your life to Him and repent of your sins and trust in Him by faith today and He'll save you. Let us know who you are and how we can help you follow Jesus. Other decisions might need to be made in this room. We encourage you to do so at this time. All across the room, let's stand together. And as I pray, our invitation will begin. Lord, we pray that You'd have Your way in this place. And God, that You would help us. Help us to believe in faith that You are able by the Gospel to save the lost and to bring them to repentance. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You come this morning, even as the altar is open. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.